Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, welcome to Just for Variety. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Today is July 19th, 2023. On this week's episode, I'm talking to Jamie Lynn Spears. The 32-year-old actor and producer sits down with me for a candid talk about being a teen mom, her return to acting with Sweet Magnolias and the much-anticipated Zoe 102, and what it's really been like having the world watch her very public family feud with big sister Britney Spears. Jamie Lynn left Hollywood when she was just 16 after announcing she was pregnant. She was starring on Zoe 101 at the time. Find out what happened when she left acting, how she's coped with the scrutiny surrounding Britney, and if she ever thought about leaving Hollywood behind forever. I'll be right back with Jamie Lynn, but first, let's take a look at what's in this week's Just for Variety column. I was at the opening of Outfest LA on July 13th and caught up with Dylan Mulvaney and Chris Olsen. The TikTok stars tell me they'd love to star in a Broadway musical together. I would love to play Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors, Olsen said. Mulvaney replied, and I could play Audrey. The two have also become travel buddies with a first-time trip for both to queer vacation destination Provincetown, Massachusetts, planned for later this summer. Check out more Just for Variety stories and exclusives at Variety.com. Hi, this is Andrew Wallenstein with Variety's Strictly Business Podcast. If you love Variety's podcasts, you're going to want to try Variety Intelligence Platform, or VIP. It's a digital subscription tier on Variety.com for industry professionals to dig deeper into analysis and data that helps them be smarter about their business. VIP just launched a great new newsletter and offers more special reports than ever. So visit Variety.com slash VIP save for a 20% discount. Welcome back to Just for Variety. Jamie Lynn Spears is back for Zoe 102, a sequel film to our hit Nickelodeon tween sitcom. Spears, now 32, visited with me at the Variety offices here in L.A. We sat down for a wide-ranging interview that covered her life as a child star, what happened when she announced she was pregnant when she was just 16, and her plans for her future in Hollywood. Plus, she talks candidly about her big sister, Britney Spears. Find out what she says when I ask about their relationship today. Before we start, it's important to note that this interview took place before SAG-AFTRA went on strike. Jamie Lynn Spears, thanks for coming to Just for Variety. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. You're back as Zoe. So 
Did you ever think you'd play Zoe again? How did this all come about? Zoe is near and dear to my heart because I had such a big part in creating her when I was younger and making her someone that I felt connected to. And I always had this dream of being able to play her again as an adult or just meet her as an adult. And I wasn't sure if it could actually happen because there's so much that goes into doing anything in this business especially. And it's been years of, you know, getting it right, getting it wrong, figuring out logistically how to make this work and putting a team together that really wanted it to happen the right way. So being patient worked out for us because we did it. It was like, and it was, it was like one of my craziest dreams coming true. I couldn't believe I was like, when I walked on set the first day, I was like, my God, we really did this. (laughs) We're here. We're doing it. So let's go back to the original Zoe. Do you remember your first day on set? I remember when we started creating Zoe and having meetings about who she was going to be and like what we wanted her to be as an overall, like, over the whole arc of the show. And for me, I remember that, those conversations happening. And then when I walked on set the first day, it was kind of familiar to how it was when I walked on set this time. I was like, oh my God, all these people are here and I'm supposed to be the star of the show. I was like, I I was kind of like a little bit, even at 12 or 13, however I was, I was a little overwhelmed, but also like, I got to do this. Like everyone's here and they're expecting me to do my job. So I feel like that just immediate step of me saying step up to the plate was a big moment of growth for me. Cause it's like, you talk about it, you talk about it, but then you end up being there and you're like, oh my gosh. But you're only 12 or 13. What's the pressure feel like? You're not only starring in the show, but you're the title character. You are Zoe. Did you feel the pressure to make sure that it worked? I think there's always a sense of pressure. And when you're young, you're a bit more naive to that because you're not realizing like all these adults are here working to provide for their families and this needs to work. You're not just here to have fun. But I'd been on all that for years before. So I felt like that was a really good practice of performing in front of a live audience. And this was different because it was the first like single camera show that Nickelodeon was really doing. And we were at Pepperdine and it just felt really big. So in my head... I was just so excited to be doing something I love that outweighed the pressure part of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that you, when you have a real love for what you're doing, the pressure becomes second. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the magic, I guess, of being that young and doing it. Because maybe today, like I was with this, I was like, oh, my God, this is better work. <laughs> you know, you have a lot more going on as an adult. When you were doing the movie, was there thoughts about bringing it back as a series or was it always you were going to do a movie? I think there's conversations about both and that conversation's ongoing. I just think that this felt right script-wise to kind of give them a real foundation of where these characters are, like lay it out for them more as opposed Mm -hmm. to engaging them week after week. I think that they've been asking for a while, the fans, and I think that we just needed to like give them more all at once and then go from there. Well, I have to say, when I was watching the movie, and I think at one point they say you're 30. Yeah. I know. I was like, what? I'm 30. I'm 32, I'm, I'm, though. I know. Well, I'm not close to you. You know, I know you, obviously, professionally. I've watched you grow up in the spotlight. I'm like, Jamie Lynn Spears is 32. I think about that sometimes, too. <laughs> is it wild? It is, because I feel like, especially being a young mom, it's like almost like I was an adult then, but I was still, like, of age, of mm-hmm. A young girl and so sometimes I'm like oh wow like I'm 30 like I'm like my mom's friend's age but no my mom's friends are older now too like you think like I often think when I'm like driving my daughter and her friends around I'm like I remember riding around with my mom and she felt like such an adult and I'm like do they think that like about me because I still sometimes feel like I'm a kid do you feel like an adult 
I do feel like an adult because I've proven to myself that I'm capable and I'm responsible. But there are times where I'm just like, wow, I can't believe like I'm the person to them that my mom was to me. Or it, it just feels like it's a, I think everybody has that feeling at some point or time. But for me, I have that, especially with my oldest daughter being a teenager now. It's just a really a teenager. weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. It is. It's like, what world are we living in? She was supposed to not get even older than five. When did she realize that her mama was famous? I think that my kids' experience is very different because it's all they know. Mm-hmm. It's how can they know a, a different reality if their reality's always been this? I can remember when Maddie was younger and she just kind of thought like everybody kind of did these things and that like that was normal. Like everyone's in this environment until she realized that it wasn't. I think it was not so much realizing that this is what her mom did for a living. It was realizing that not everyone else does that. Mm. It was kind of like, oh, wait, that's not everyone else's life. So I think that was more of her reality. And I did involve my children and I do involve them with me so much. It's it's good for them to understand our world and also appreciate everyone else's world too. Would you want her to go into business? I don't think anybody wants <laughs> to necessarily like, <laughs> but there are, I mean, if there's so many, if you, when you see your kid light up about something, mm-hmm. everything else fades away. And my oldest daughter is actually, she's more of an athlete. I don't think she has any interest in this. She could be a model if she wanted to, but she's an athlete, and that's kind of where she is. And I love that. There's not like watching your kid do. I'm like, I can't believe the things that she does. I'm like, wow, like she's a really badass little player. <laughs> and I feel like that's tougher than what I did. And she's like, no, getting in front of the camera is way tougher. Mm-hmm. Now my youngest one, she seems like she might she might have the bug. She wrote at her um, preschool graduation, like everyone holds up their sign of what they're going to be when they grow up, like fireman, policeman. She wrote movie star. I was like. Literally, it's like on the big screen. I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I was like, I've never told her that. But, like, she just seems to maybe have the bug, I guess. What's amazing about the new Zoe, Zoe 2.0, is what I keep calling it, is you look at this, you know, a character who's not identified as gender nonconforming, but you sort of assume he is. Yeah. That's pretty amazing when you think of where Zoe started mm-hmm. and what you're doing now. Talk to me about that. Being an executive producer for the first time, I did think about like what I want to see on screen or what I feel needs to be seen on screen, especially for like my children and everything. I just think it, in these times it's so important to continue that growth and to see everyone to see themselves in our world. And though there was a lot of conversations about that. I was like, I want to see representation for everybody here, whatever that may look like. And I feel like we did a really good job and it was it was something that we were I was really conscious about because we have to continue to move forward. And I think that Zoe, even back then, was we were always trying to, you know, push for girls to be able to do anything guys could do. And mm-hmm. I just think that continuing to push that's important, not only for me as the story of Zoe, but also like me as a mom and in this world. It's important that I am doing that truly and authentically and I was thankful as an executive producer, I was able to kind of aggravate them with a million emails and tell them that. (laughs) We all know the story. You got pregnant, but Zoe was going off the air. It did not go off the air because she became pregnant. Yeah. But then you left Mm -hmm. for about five five years. You said, I'll see you later, Hollywood. Well, when I wrapped Zoe, there was all these plans of, you know, let's go do movies. There was things I was, scripts I was reading and things I was excited about, but I, you know, like a lot of young girls do, thought I was in love and 
there I am pregnant at 16. We all know the story. I was so concerned about, like, I'm really bringing another human being into this world. Mm. I need to figure out who I am. And two, the press wasn't exactly very nice. I wanted to get as far away from it as I could. So I got a house in Mississippi. I put up a gate, put myself on a budget, and I said, I'm going to raise my baby back here, and that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I did for a while. But I wanted to also show her I still could continue on to be what I wanted to be and that bringing her into my life was not something that I regret or held me back. Made it challenging, yes, because I had to be accountable for the situation I'd put myself in. But I started going to Nashville, writing music and finding other ways to have a creative outlet that made sense for me. But it was a break I probably needed because I was very contentious with the press and everything. It was it was something I didn't want to see. I didn't want to see a magazine with my face on it and something mean. And I didn't want my daughter to see that. Like, can you imagine her when she hears a headline that says her life is over? She's her life is ruined. Think imagine how that makes my even then I was thinking about how would that make my 15 year old feel? What am I going to do to stay out of that narrative or change it? And I feel like that was really important to me was just to not be consumed in that world. So you said you were reading scripts. You wanted to do movies. Was there a role that you didn't get that you really wanted? I did read, like, one of the Twilights. It was the first one, I'm pretty sure. And I remember saying, and this is, this was exactly what I said. I was very silly but this vampires had not really made their <laughs> now we all know we love to watch stories about vampires i literally was like vampires i was like are you kidding me <laughs> so i went and read for it and obviously all the roles are already exactly who they should have been but i did go read for it and i i mean i wasn't like necessarily offered i was pregnant but i didn't know that at the time but i do know that i remember reading it i mean who's gonna watch the vampires boy was i wrong <laughs> boy boy was i very did you, wrong did you read for bella or was I, it sort of a no, general? No, I think, I think like we, I was reading for that part, but I think she was already cast. I'm pretty sure they were just kind of seeing like what other characters and having us read parts mm -hmm. like that. When you were living in Nashville, then did the sort of the itch come back to say, you know, I really want to be acting again? Acting's always, I think, been something that feels really good. I love telling stories, whether that's me writing music for myself or for other people or playing a role that's telling a story. That's something I feel really good and comfortable in. Mm. And I think that was, like, somewhat of my first love. I feel like music's very personal, and I almost do that for, like, growth and healing. It feels mm. good for me to play music. But for acting, I feel like it was – I was kind of afraid to come back because I was like, what if it doesn't work out? You know, mm. it was like – it was scarier to step back into that immediately, something that I love so much, and maybe it doesn't work. So I kind of found other ways to be creative and have that outlet. But it was something, like, I always wanted, but I think I was afraid to admit to myself because – Boy, I didn't want to give everybody the satisfaction of saying, like, see, mm -hmm. yeah, it's not going to happen for you. You had a baby, remember? So I kind of was just trying to find other ways to fill that. But it was always, always in my heart to want to, you know, find my way back in. After everything you've been through, your family's been through, was there ever a time when you were in Nashville or when you were in Mississippi saying, you know what, I'm not going back there. Like, I'm done. I definitely felt like it would probably have been – <laughs> for my mental health, a better decision to say I'm never doing this again. Mm -hmm. But it's all I know. It's the only way I know to be. It's the only, It's a part of me. It's, mm -hmm. it's like how do you unknow something? So I instinctively knew that being a mom was what I had to do and was a part of who I was now. So it was about figuring out how do I do this in a way that doesn't take away from that. And 
I think a little bit of clarity of like, I was a child, but I was not a child anymore. And having a different perspective on like, I can control the steps I take felt like I, I knew it was always going to happen. But I was really, I was scared. I was scared of failing. I was scared of not being what I felt I'd maybe ruined. Like they told me I had. People said your career was over. Oh yeah. I mean, it was everywhere. I mean, it was grownups were telling a 16 year old who, by the way, was having a baby and trying to just do what I felt was right for me. And they were just like, yeah, she's ruined. She's just, I mean, they call me every name under the book. It was, I mean, in, in today's world, that wouldn't fly. Right. The media had a lot more, they could be relentless and nobody checked them for it. And I think that today's world, we wouldn't say that about a young girl who was making a decision that was going to change her life in a true way that no one really wanted that for me. But that's what I chose and I was standing by it. And I think it's hard not to feel like, Especially, I'm a people pleaser. This was the first time I was like, oh, this one's not going to please people. <laughs> they were like, you know, I really, really wasn't pleasing anybody. So that was hard for me. And I think it'd be hard for anybody. Well, I love, you know, especially in your memoir, you're so open about mental health mm -hmm. and seeing a therapist and that you heal and find your voice. I mean, I know for myself, in the moment, it feels like the world's falling apart. Okay. It's over. You know, several times in your yeah, life, you're gonna feel and but you have sort of steadied your ship. And I think it's important to remember that, like, my ship might be steady now, but there might be a time again where it's not. There's a season for everything. Mm -hmm. And for me, the first time I went to a therapist, I kind of just told her what I thought she wanted to hear. It was like mm -hmm. I was on test of like, I passed today, and she thinks I'm great, <laughs> and and it, and it wasn't. Really, until I said, you know what, this I really have to. If this is going to work, I have to really tell them how I feel. And when I did that, that's when I started to see the change of like it was okay to feel this way. And it was almost like I hated that feeling because it made me feel really vulnerable. But at the same time, it was it was necessary. Mm -hmm. And I think if more people just say screw it, like I'm just going to let it all go and and find somebody they feel comfortable talking with. It's even if it starts by just being somebody you know, but really mm. having that time set aside made a difference for me. And I, I don't, I don't know what I would have done if I wouldn't have taken that first step. What is it like owning your voice and saying, "This is me. This is what I want." Even you were just saying, as an executive producer, mm -hmm. "This is what I want." How hard was it for you to step forward and say, "This is," I'm talking in the the first person. Oh gosh. I, again, am a people pleaser, so it's like I'll kind of try to read the room and see what it is that's going to be the popular opinion because I want people to be happy and I want to make them proud. I've almost now have an instinct of when everyone seems happy about it, I'm almost like maybe I should just go the other way just to see, just to mm -hmm. see if, if I'm still going to own what I want or my voice. Not to do it as a rebellion thing, but mm -hmm. like feeling like I have the strength in me to, to say something that isn't going to just be the one answer that makes everybody else happy. So there's different things in life where you do that, whether it's, you know, having a baby or whether it's where you want to live, what you want to do. And even being an executive producer, it's like I challenge myself to say the hard thing. And when you start making yourself do that, it, it, you start realizing like that's how it's supposed to feel. Mm -hmm. When you're really owning what feels true to your gut, you're never going to regret that. Even if that one moment's uncomfortable, you're never going to regret saying exactly or doing exactly what you know instinctively feels correct to you. What I love, again, I'm going back to your memoir because it's great. Thank you. Is you talk about 
owning your voice. And we know when the when the memoir came out, there were Britney fans who said, you're only doing this book, you're only trying to make money off of your sister's um, issues. How do you sort of sit back and say, no, this is me. This is This is my voice. Like, listen to me. Like, you know, you said, like, you can't help what family you were born into. For me, I had this goal of when I turned 30 to write a book that I was proud of and to in my personal life, really owning my voice as a 30-year-old woman, like I'm a grown-up now, telling my story and leaving it there. And that had nothing to do with anybody else. Was the timing just, of course, in true fashion of just the way my life is, the timing might have sucked. But I also once again said, I had this goal set. I'm going to stay true to that. It might not be in popular opinion, but this wasn't for anybody else. This was for me. I share a story about almost losing my daughter in there, and it seems like everyone else can be fascinated by anything else but what really matters. And that, to me, was a really important part of it, was me sharing my life and my story. And I can't help who I bump into in my life, but I'm allowed to speak my truth and my story, just as I encourage every single other person to do. Mm -hmm. And last year was a very personal year. And I, like I've said, I will tell people what they want to hear because I'm like, that's what I feel like as a child star, you're kind of learned to do. Last year I said, nope, do it. It's all going to be uncomfortable. It was very weird for me to be so openly personal instead of letting people just see the picture perfect everything. I was scary for me. And I did that. I'm proud of it, but it allows me to move forward now and focus on the family that I created, the work that I've done, and where I'm at in my life because I can't help where I come from or what family I come from. All I can help is the one that I've created, and that family is my husband and my two little girls, the work I've created, which is this new era of Zoe, which is Sweet Magnolias, and that's all I can control. And I have to learn that I can't hold on or put on the weight of, on my shoulders of where I come from. All I can do is control where I'm going, and I feel really proud of that. Who did you let read the draft of the book before it was published? A lot of people. I mean, like, I kind of always had it laying around every edit. I mean, like, <laughs> my mom, and two, I would have to, like, remember, like, when you're writing stuff, you kind of are, like, forgetting things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Mom, didn't it happen that way? And I'd have to, oh, it didn't. No, it was actually this. So I had, I would ask my mom questions about things because I wanted it to be factually correct. Right. And so I really feel like it was a part of, you know, like, every, I never, like, kept it. It was it was a process. It takes forever to write yeah, a book. I have I have a File on my computer that says book. Yes. And it's been in the works for 25 years. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like I've always been writing and like I would turn things in and like, you know, but you, you're always kind of writing your story if mm-hmm. you're, especially if you're creative. And it does feel weird to like button it up and make it a book, but it's almost too like I've got now like this like yearbook of the last 30 years and like, mm-hmm. m- you know, it's something that I am proud of, but it's also something that is. It's, it's meant to stay there and I can reflect on, but I felt like I had to do that to be able to really just move forward on my voice and just say, okay, this is Jamie Lynn, the adult in charge of her life. And I feel like I had to be authentic for a moment, even though it's so uncomfortable for yeah. me to be vulnerable and say that I'm upset about anything ever. Cause right. that's not, that's not a, I don't like that emotion. <laughs> I feel like it makes me weak, but guess what? Sometimes we're human, sometimes we're weak and that's okay. You say in the book that you did everything you could to protect your sister. That sometimes you thought maybe that was in vain. Your sister now has said that she visited you on a set. Where are you now with your sister? I mean, I have nothing but absolute love for every single one of my family members. And I think if I learned anything from last year, being so open and being so personal, 
and feeling like I had to defend myself at times that I do want to just focus on maybe, you know, what it is that I've done and said is already out there. I don't feel like there's anything else that I need to Mm. say in any personal aspects. I just have to leave it where it is because those conversations are meant to be personal. Mm. And all I can focus on now is really what I'm doing with, you know, my girls, my husband, and um, obviously the work that I'm doing now. But I just, I think there's nothing but love there for me in all areas. What is it like, though, to look back at photos? Like, even in the book, you have those photos. There's a photo of uh, Mickey Mouse Club. Then there's oh. a photo with Reese Witherspoon, you know, at Teen Choice Awards and all that stuff. Do you ever look at those photos and say, God, I wish we stayed in Campwood? No. I, I look at those photos and I say, I had some of the most amazing experiences in childhood moments. I got to meet Reese Witherspoon. I got <laughs> to meet Mary-Kate and Ashley, by the way. And I thought, like, well, this is the best thing that's ever happened in my life. And I grew up doing something that I loved in such a special way and with my family. And that's something that people dream of. If I'd have stayed in Kentwood, there would have been a big old hole missing in my heart and probably my whole family's heart. So everything comes with its challenges. Everything has its demons. But I feel like like who gets to say they were at the Mickey Mouse Club with Brian <laughs> Gosling? You know what I mean? Like It's just like it's it's one of those things where I just feel like, I feel really blessed for the life that I grew up having because there were so many good moments that I think most people would dream of having. How do you keep that head on your shoulders like that? Because like you said, the last year was tough. I don't even want to say like, I could only imagine. It it makes me sad. Because I can't can't imagine it. You know, I'm not, that's not my world. Yeah, it was, it was, I, I don't want my daughter to feel that way. So I have to say, absolutely not. Will I allow my children, especially my oldest daughter, who was very affected by all of it, um, I would not back down. I will not allow her to feel this way in her life. So it's not a strength for me. It's a strength out of the love for my children and wanting to make sure that I do not give way to anything but what I know to be authentic and true, even if it's hard on those days. You know, Mm -hmm. I can just remember, like, it just was, it was hard, you know, but I feel like at the end of the day, um, look where I am now, you know, and that's, it just makes me sad when I think about my kids. Like, I don't ever want them to feel the pain or the scrutiny that is not necessary and it's not theirs to carry. So I'll carry it. That's fine. How do you explain it to your kids? I explain it. Well, my five-year-old doesn't care. <laughs> She's five. <laughs> and my 14-year-old, I think that every young girl and every young person in this world on some level deals with the way social media is. I mean, like, we all on some level are dealing with a public public identity of who we are. And I think you got to protect that. So how, do you, how do you protect it with your daughter? Well, she doesn't have any social media, but she does play sports. Like, I have a social media page where I'll post her softball videos and stuff like that. <laughs> But I think it's so important that I guard her creating her identity without any outside noise and explaining to her that, you know, we do we are in a unique situation where people are fascinated by the family that I grew up in. But you don't have to do that. You can be who you are, exactly who you want to be without the outside noise. And I promise you, you'll thank me for it one day. And I just 
I think that that's the only way I know how to do it because I know the pain I've felt. And even though she might be mad at me because I won't let her have anything, but I know that that's that I'm protecting her. It's like the necessary evil. You just have to do it mm. if I'm going to give her the chance to create her own independent thoughts of who she should be and what feels right to her, not what someone says or she saw. What do you say to her when she comes home and says, some kid at school told me that my aunt is Britney Spears? I say, wow, you should be so proud. Like, look at what your family's done and accomplished. We came from a small town, and now everybody's fascinated by the good and especially the bad. But, wow, look at what an example of a strong female you have. And I admire it, and I know that that's all I say is, like, that is noise. Like, you have something to be proud of, and you you should have pride in that. And kids are kids, so I'm sure there's a lot meaner things that, you know, they're doing to each other <laughs> in high school. So now you, you have to be terrified that your youngest wants to be a movie star. I mean, I really hope it's a phase. <laughs> Do five-year-olds go through a phase like that? Because it's sort of, I'm really When hoping. you were five, what did you want to be? It's all I've ever wanted to do. <laughs> it's all I've ever wanted to do was to be able to be in front of the camera. And I also think going through things I've gone through, makes me appreciate it. It's like, wow, how lucky am I that I, I have a job and I get to provide for my children doing something I love. So I do think that's the other necessary part with this and what makes it me feel so grounded is like I have feel like I've always fought to keep my place at the table and sometimes not anything that has anything to do with me. And so I just feel like I appreciate every single time I get a seat at the table. Did your desire to be in front of the camera come first or after you saw Brittany doing it? I just feel like I don't ever remember a time where I didn't want to do it. And I'm sure seeing someone, everyone has an idol, and mine just happened to be kin to me. So I just feel like, of course, you're going to be inspired by what you're around. But I've, I don't remember ever thinking about doing anything else. We're going to take a short break, but when we return, find out what Jamie Lynn says when I ask her if she thinks she and Brittany will ever share a stage together again. Plus, she urges people to have more compassion for all the people involved with Scandaball. Hi, this is Andrew Wallenstein with Variety's Strictly Business Podcast. If you love Variety's podcasts, you're going to want to try Variety Intelligence Platform, or VIP. It's a digital subscription tier on Variety.com for industry professionals to dig deeper into analysis and data that helps them be smarter about their business. VIP just launched a great new newsletter and offers more special reports than ever. So visit Variety.com slash VIP save for a 20% discount. Welcome back to Just for Variety. I'm Mark Malkin. Here's more of Jamie Spears. Could you imagine you and Brittany on stage performing together again? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think right now I'm really just focused on me and what I'm doing and I, I feel like I've worked very hard to be able to be a part of, you know, shows like Sweet Magnolias and the whole cast and a real ensemble cast. And then fighting hard to bring back a character from my childhood, that is, that is all I can think about right now because, my, like, my dreams are coming true again. 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 Like, yeah. who gets to say that? What is that next project you want? Well, this baby of Zoe that I have... literally carried for years (laughs) delivering it successfully is one of my biggest goals and and I'm so proud of that but I would love to continue that story but I would also love to so Zoe 103 
yeah, 104, 105. <laughs> I would love to continue that story, continue to challenge myself as an actress. And I think being an executive producer and having that kind of understanding of what it takes to make a movie happen and how important it is the people you put in place. And we put all females, um, you know, all the females executive producer, all female writers, all my female well, tell director. Tell me about that. That was a very conscious decision. I'm not saying that I went in there like no males. That wasn't right. that. I was just very drawn to every time that I read something or a pitch that Nancy gave. I was just drawn to it. It was better. Mm-hmm. And they all were like-minded in the sense of we wanted this working environment to feel good. I just think that it just happened to be that the women were the one that <laughs> they just did that. And I'm proud of that, too. It was it was amazing to see the script that two women wrote and then finding a woman director. I really think she she was the game changer, I will have to say. And we have Shauna and Brand who were – and then Alexis. We really were the ones who, like, were, you know, digging in the ditch to get this thing out. When we brought Nancy on board, I, I knew she was great, but, like – it wouldn't be what it is without her. She really got it. She wanted it to be great. She fought for it to be great. And that was a game changer, 100%. And I'm just thankful, too, that they allowed me to have so much input. You know, it's my first time being an executive producer. But I guess if you're just aggravating enough and you're just like, no, 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 it has to be this way. It has to be this way. But it's not aggravating. It's yeah, ha- and it's, it's just funny. It's having your, your – even there, you're – Even there, I feel myself doing it. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, no, this is – This is what I want. This is what I feel is important. And – it also allowed me to ask questions. Like I'd ask them like things I didn't understand or why we would do this and why would we spend money here? We could spend money in knowing that and being in a safe environment to ask that. I don't know if I'd have felt as comfortable mm. asking a man that. Like, why are we spending money here? Why are we doing that? It, it did feel good. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I just feel like it allowed me selfishly an environment where I was able to learn more right. and feel comfortable doing that. Do you want to direct? I'm not ready there yet. I, I, want to. I would love to direct. I would love to. I think this was my first time having that touch of like on the other side of the camera mm-hmm. of being on set when it wasn't necessarily me shooting a scene, but being there as an executive producer and seeing how we want this to look on screen. It was the first time I was like, oh, I could see myself wanting to be a part of, of that world. Mm. But to me, it seems like a lot right now because I still feel like with a really good director, like they know everything about everything. And like, that's what I still need to learn. Like she knew what this camera's doing and this actress is doing. <laughs> and that's something that's like, that was to me like watching a genius at work and just, mm. she just kind of did it. And I was like, I think you, you have to learn that. That's a learned ability. I don't think you just do it. Do it. Was it tough for you to walk into a room where people expecting Jamie Lynn Spears, 16 year old? Where it's like you walked in the room and was like, oh, by the way, I'm 30. <laughs> if it was, I didn't really recognize it. I'm sure people did. But I'm at a place in my life where it's like I have two children. I have it, like, I'm kind of at the place where it's just like I don't have time to worry about what everybody's thinking. It's like I have a job to do and I have to get it done and i got to get home to my kids. So I think when I'm in that headspace, I'm not necessarily concerned about what are they thinking about me. It's like – and I'm tired, too. Like, I'm really tired. <laughs> so even if that's what they're thinking, I'm like, come on, guys, let's get it together. And let's just – and, too, I'm just too thankful to be where I'm at to worry about that. I think you get to that place in your life. Have you thought about moving permanently back to L.A.? No, because nothing shoots in L.A. anymore. What do you mean? <laughs> good point. Very good Sweet point. Sweet, right? Mellie's in Atlanta. Spoken, we spoken zone. like a true executive. It's like <laughs> nothing shoots in L.A. Why in the world would I come here and pay all this tax? I'm kidding. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I think I love living in Louisiana because that's where my support system is. Like when I'm here with you, I know that my children are with my mother-in-law and with my mom and their, their schedule doesn't ever have to change. Now, my children typically travel with me a lot. Like when I was in North Carolina, Ivy was with me the whole time and Maddie would come back and forth or I'd go home. But I just think that I... It's really fortunate. Not everyone's in that situation where they have such a family support system, but I have that. And I fully take advantage of that, being able to know I come home and I'm fully present there as a mom and just able to be there and with the occasional Zoom and, you know, whatever calls. But when I'm here working, I'm able to fully be present here. And it makes you appreciate both worlds, I think, as well. How are you treated in Campwood? No one cares about anything. Mm. If anything, they do hear something about it, like, oh, we're praying for you, or we're this mm. or that. Oh, my God, we see this movie. Uh, they're really excited about Zoe, though. They are. <laughs> and a lot of the Southern women love Sweet Magnolias, which, like, makes sense. makes sense. And it's crazy because I feel like I'm still a kid, but I'm, like, also, like, no, I'm a woman. I'm a woman, and, like, women are coming up to me, and then their daughters are like, we can't wait for Zoe. It's, it's <laughs> like, it's, it keeps me very humbled in both worlds. But I do love... Do you remember when the media would invade Kentwood? That was the craziest part for me. It's like I would go to the middle of nowhere, minding my business. I'm not walking down Rodeo Drive <laughs> be like, take my picture. I literally moved to the middle of nowhere and was like, I'm going to just stay here, guys, okay? So leave me alone. And they would show up at a gas station. I'm just trying to pump gas. And I'm like, what do y'all, what do you, maybe I just couldn't, I couldn't fathom it. Until I was a minor most of the time when I was like pregnant and they were doing that. I just couldn't believe that like, what else do I do? Like, where, how else do, don't tell me that I, like, want this attention because, like, I don't know where else to go. <laughs> in the island, somewhere in the island. In the middle, but it seems like they'd find, they find me there. there if they found island. me way back there where I was at that time, they were, I mean, I don't even know what hotels they stayed in because there's no hotels in that area. I was like, where are they living <laughs> at? Cars? I don't know. I have That's no idea. really funny. And music-wise, right now, someone came to you and said you could work with anybody. Who would it be? Anybody. Anybody. I'm trying to think what my daughter would think was cool, too, because I'll say the wrong <laughs> answer. I think that Billie Eilish is really great. I love Casey Musgraves. There's a lot of great music right now. Mm -hmm. I think, too, that I would love to work with somebody, I feel like, probably in the country music area because... I'm waiting for you to say one particular person and you have not said her yet. Carrie Underwood? I don't know. Keep Miranda going. Lambert? Keep going. Um, Dolly. Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, but you know want to know what? Like, what? I don't... F I feel like... You go and you just praise her. Like, she is all of our, like, absolute queen. Like, I feel like Dolly Parton is, like, the epitome of, like... She's a national treasure. She is. She yeah. is. And it just feels but like... But you got stories to tell, and she's a storyteller. Oh, my so gosh. So imagine you two sitting down and oh, writing a song. I'd give anything to be in her presence. All the women that I went through just then. Right. I'd give anything to be in any of their presence. But I just think that, like, for Dolly, it's almost like... She's like the fairy godmother, and it's like, is she, like, you know, like, her presence is, like, holy to us. And also, too, her goddaughter is Miley, so I feel like them singing together is a thing, but it's like, I, f I don't know. I feel like she's such a legend. I would give anything to sing with her, but I don't know if, I don't know if I feel worthy. Like, she's just an actual don't queen. Don't do that. Do not do that. You are worthy. I would be worthy. too scared. You, I, would no, be, I would be like, I wouldn't speak. I'd be like, mm -hmm, yeah. And what TV are you watching besides your show? Um, well, I watch mine only. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, well, Succession's done now, but I love You were a Succession fan, Yes, huh? I was a very big Succession fan. What did you think of that finale? I'm like, can, are they really done? They're done. 
They're really not going to do it anymore. No. Hmm. I thought maybe there'd be a spinoff. Or something. <laughs> like, love Euphoria. Um, do you? I do, but I'm also like, is this really? Is this what's going on in high school these days? Because do you ask your? Do you ask Maddie saying like, what's going on there? We have a really. I do feel like that was one thing. Me being a young mom was to have not be like her friend. I'm very like try to really walk that fine line, but I do know that she does feel like she can come to me, mm-hmm. and. I don't think that's necessarily what her high school experience is because she's like a super athlete. But I know that that's probably, you know, part of certain high school experiences. And to me, it it opens my eyes to like sometimes these young kids are dealing with like grown up things. And I know maybe I wasn't a certain way, but like that's hard stuff. You know, that's really hard stuff. And I think that's also it's like I I couldn't. I'm in recovery myself. I'm sober. Yeah. I couldn't watch it when I first started. Oh, really? It was too, I was like, lived it. Don't need to do it again. I think for me, when I, like, I love Zendaya so much in the way she performs, I was just was so fascinated by the performance that I had mm. to watch the next episodes. But um, my mom was like, I just feel so dark. I can't watch mm. it. And I just was like, I, I had to. No matter what I was, it did feel dark at times, though, because it felt like, oh, this is maybe what it really feels like. Right. What do you watch just for fun? Oh, for, oh Housewives. Like, I mean, like, and Vanderpump Rules. I mean, I've been fully. So, I've been an original. Scandal. Let's talk about Scandal. Were you let's shocked? Get into it. Let's get into it. I was it. really shocked. I genuinely, when the first read it, I was like, this is not true. This is not <laughs> happening. But then I realized very quickly that it was true. And I was like, oh, my God. this is the, Like, you can't write this. No. Like, try writing this. You can't. So, and you know what? It just seems like that group of people, like even what happened with Stassi all those years ago with Jax, was like, there's no way it's true. And they're like, yes, it was. It's <laughs> like, you can't write that kind of stuff. So those things are wonderful because I can just totally escape, you know, my are you reality. excited that they're going to come back for another season? Well, of course. Of course. I can't wait to see what happens. But I, I do think that we should also have compassion that they're all humans. In, well, I was in just going to say to you. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know that, like, I think Ariana deserves to say and do anything she wants. She's the one who's harmed in this. But, like, we also need to, like, remember to have a little bit of compassion for the fact that, like, I don't know. I just think anytime there's an overload of hate, like, yeah, you can have your opinion and talk S with your girlfriend on the couch. But, like, we don't need to, you know, get to the point where people feel unsafe. I mm. mean, I've been there. So, I mean, like, I just think that, like... I, I don't know. It's it's TV and it's people's real lives and I don't know. But, but they did sign fan. up for a reality. I guess you're right. Show. I don't like to see anything horrible. You're on the a people internet. pleaser, you said. Yeah, I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want anybody to like feel horrible about themselves. But I do think holding people accountable is extremely responsible. There's a difference in holding people accountable and then just being, being hateful. Yeah. There's a and that makes no sense to me. And I just feel like if I've learned anything in life, it's like the good always lasts, and and it just feels like. It doesn't matter if it's one day, six months, a year, ten years. Mm-hmm. The truth always comes to light, and things that are done in the dark come to light. And I I know that I always tell my daughter, I'm like, you always try to do the next right thing, even mm-hmm. if it's no one's watching. Those are the things that really count. So no matter what you think you get away with, it will always come back. It doesn't matter how long you think you get away with something. <laughs> so I'm like, you have to always choose the right next thing. And I think that that's a big part of it because that accountability right in the moment as opposed to six months later when you get caught or a year later, that's not the kind of accountability. You have to learn accountability right then in that moment. And that's that's how you start growing as a person is mm. knowing to check yourself right then so you can make that right choice because it's just going to save you so much of a hassle than later on. I promise. <laughs> 
That was Jamie Lynn Spears. The new season of Sweet Magnolias drops on Netflix on July 20th. Zoe 102 premieres on Paramount Plus on July 27th. And that's it for this week's Just for Variety. Thanks for listening. Coming up next week, Adam Brody. The Fleischman is in trouble actor, talks his new movie, River Wild, working with his wife, Lane Meester, and recalls auditioning for The O.C. Until then, make sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and now threads at Mark Malkin. And for all breaking and exclusive Hollywood news, go to Variety.com. Bye for now. Hi, this is Andrew Wallenstein with Variety's Strictly Business Podcast. If you love Variety's podcasts, you're going to want to try Variety Intelligence Platform, or VIP. It's a digital subscription tier on Variety.com for industry professionals to dig deeper into analysis and data that helps them be smarter about their business. VIP just launched a great new newsletter and offers more special reports than ever. So visit Variety.com slash VIP save for a 20% discount. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.